Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Jesus, we thank you for the holy ground that we're on right now, for your presence in this place, for the ways that you meet us through little ones, the ways that you encounter us uh, that we just weren't even ready for. And Lord, as we open up the scriptures and look at what it means to live in your way, would you come and would you speak to us? We give you the floor and we bless you, Jesus. Amen. Well, my name is Matt, if you don't know me, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning we're uh, continuing on our series called Kingdom Stories. And uh, this series has come around the idea of the kingdom is popping up in all of our lives. Jesus is always up to something in our lives, and there's something about sharing those stories that grows faith in each and every one of us. It's like family, um, family campfires. Who here had uh, ridiculously big family campgrounds that you'd, or camping trips you'd do growing up? Just me? My mom's side of the family, we had this thing called the Herringer Family Pigout. We'd all get together. My Uncle Clarence would pull out the accordion. We'd sing weird songs together. And then at the end of the accordion sing-song time, we'd share family stories. And one of the stories of my family that shaped who we were was the story of my grandpa. My grandpa has like the best, well, had the best grandpa name, Oscar. Uh, it's a great name, right? Where, where's Oscar? He's not even here today, so he doesn't even get a shout out for that. Uh, I had Oscar and Roscoe as my grandpa's names. So those are good grandpa names. And uh, Oscar's story went like this. Oscar loved running. Grandpa was a really good runner. He'd tell stories about running to catch trains so that he'd go to work in the neighboring towns. And it wasn't that he would, you know, uh, dutifully wait at the train station and hop on. It was him and his friends would run and try and catch the train and ride to the nearby town. Grandpa was a runner. This was his thing. He loved racing. And uh, World War II came about, and he, of course, went and got ready to go. And uh, one day before uh, his, his detachment got sent out, he was running on the beach, and as he was running, he tore up his knee. And Grandpa stopped running that day. Uh, Grandpa's uh, trip to the, uh, to the war ended that day, which honestly is the grace of Jesus. Um, he was a paratrooper, and his whole detachment, as they jumped out of their planes, every one of them was shot down. Grandpa's the only one who survived that. And if Grandpa hadn't blown out his knee, I wouldn't be here. If Grandpa hadn't blown out his knee, my mom wouldn't be here, my siblings wouldn't. And that moment that was so disorienting and confusing for my grandpa allowed his story to continue. This is one of those stories we share at campfires in my family. It shapes who we are. It lets us know where we belong in the story. It lets us know who we are in the story. In the same way, we have stories of the family of God going back thousands upon thousands and thousands of years. The stories in the book of Genesis, which uh, we'll be looking at today, um, scholars think got passed down in the same way. Grandparents sitting at fires telling grandkids, repeating these stories over and over again because there wasn't written language back then yet. And so these stories came about as parents and grandparents told the next generation who told the next generation. And so 
we come in line with that history. The people of God passing on stories. Now there's another story that's been really popular over the last, well, I'm not great at math, but we'll say 60 years. It comes from 1961, there's this Russian cosmonaut, his name was Yuri. Yuri was the first man in space. Perhaps some of you are familiar with the story. Yuri gets into space where he's told God lives. And what happens is he says, I looked and looked and looked, but I didn't see God. He goes to where he thinks God should be present, and he says, I looked and looked and looked, but I didn't see God. Anybody ever felt that way before? I looked. I thought God would be there. But he didn't show up. Or I went to where God was supposed to be, but I didn't sense his presence there. To a certain degree, we have all had our minds shaped by this story. The, the deep secularization of the West has passed down the story that I looked and looked and looked and God wasn't there because God's probably not there at all. So this morning I want to share with you another story. One that I think actually undoes that hopeless story. And so this is found in Genesis chapter 28 and uh, you can read along with it on the screen. Starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give to you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be <clears throat> like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? There, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone on which he'd placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that um, you give me, I will give a tenth. The word of the Lord. So what we have here is a road trip story, Right? Every good summer involves some sort of road trip. Jacob's story, um, of course, didn't start in this moment. This is in the first details we get about Jacob. Instead, Jacob has a very complicated backstory at this point. Jacob and his brother were twins, and they were born very close together. Esau's older brother 
comes out and Jacob's grasping onto his heel behind trying to get out first. They were known to fight and have a rivalry. And then his story continues where one day his brothers have been out hunting and he's really hungry. And he comes back and Jacob's cooking. And he says to Jacob, give me some of your stew or else I'm going to die because I'm so hungry. And Jacob, being the one who uh, is out for himself, says, sure, if you give me your birthright. Which means give me the inheritance and I can, I'll, do, I'll give you some soup, which seems like a very fair deal. <laughs> and Esau is so hungry, and we read uh, in Hebrews, he, he didn't even want the inheritance. He's so hungry, he says, sure. And then later on, as his father is about to die, uh, sons would go to their dad for blessing. And... Uh, before Jacob, um, Jacob's dad gives the blessing, Jacob's dad says to Esau the hunter, go and find me some good game, kill it, bring it back, make me something I really like, and then I'll bless you. Now Jacob's mom hears this, and she goes to Jacob, okay, your brother Esau is going out to hunt and stuff. This is what we're going to do. I've got some meat. You're gonna, we'll, we'll kill it and cook it. And then we're going to take the skins of the meat. We're going to put them on your arm and on your neck so you'll be hairy like your brother. And then we're going to make your clothes smell like his clothes. And then you're going to go in and steal your brother's blessing. This is a healthy family. <laughs> this is really great stuff. Not quite. And so what ends up happening is he steals his brother's blessing. His brother finds out, and his brother is appropriately upset. So much so that he wants to kill his brother. Then we read his mom finds out about this and sends him off. She's just like, just get out of here. I can't bear to lose two sons in one day, so go. This is the space Jacob finds himself in. Now, he's on the road. Um, we've got a map here. It's really great. I took a picture out of it, out of a book, so you can tell it's super high quality. Jacob's starting his journey in Beersheba right here at the bottom where the blue eight is, if you can read that. If not, maybe get your eyes checked. I'm joking. It's terrible quality. And then he's going to Haran, which is so far away. You can see that arrow at the top going off the map. That says to Haran. This is a long journey. This is about 885 kilometers by foot without accompaniment. He's on the run for his life. This would be comparable about, uh, to you heading out of the auditorium this morning and walking all the way to Weyburn, which is just past Regina. At the time, this is probably well over a month's trip. And he's well into this journey. He's gone to Luz, which is, um, or Bethel, it's, you know, two spots up there, maybe three. It's already 95 kilometers. He's been walking in solitude for days and days. Now night comes, and it says he comes to a certain place. Jacob isn't going to anywhere in specific. This isn't saying, and then Jacob came to this incredible place that everybody knew about. It meant, it says, then it got dark and Jacob stopped in a certain place. We find out later this place is called Luz, but the point is that this place doesn't matter. There's no significance this place. It's gotten dark and he's ready to rest. And so he does the natural thing. He looks for a rock and he puts it under his head as a pillow as we all do. You know, it's the latest uh, ND mat or pillow is to get the rock in your backyard. No, 
This is a weird story. Scholars actually think that this rock was partly a protection thing. You know, if you have enough rocks around you, people can't quite see you, and perhaps spirits can't quite see you, because remember, this is a, a long time ago in a superstitious world. And he has this rock protection. He takes one rock, and he puts it under his pillow, or under his head as a pillow, and he goes to sleep. And then he has this incredible dream. He has a dream about a Led Zeppelin song, and it's, it's really good. <laughs> In this dream, there's a staircase, and the staircase starts at the earth, and it goes all the way to heaven. Now, what is a staircase? It's probably the same thing as a Tower of Babel. It's an early temple. Now, where God had said, you're doing the wrong thing by trying to build a temple to me and taking me out of the equation and trying to become like me, I'm going to create a staircase so that you and I can meet. A total reversal on the Babel story. And on this staircase, we read about angels going up and down. We read about the divine encountering humanity. And then there's this revelation from God. Now think about this. Jacob has stolen the birthright and the blessing. He's been told that the people of God's story that has been handed down from his grandfather to his father about being a blessing to the nations is now his. But if you're Jacob, you're probably wondering, is that actually mine? Am I supposed to have that blessing? I kind of stole that and... My dad might not have known in the moment, but God sure did. It's a strange space probably to find yourself in, right? Jacob's probably quite worried in this moment. He sees the staircase, what's going to happen. But then we read that in this dream, the Lord's there and the Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I'll give to you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be the dust of the earth, or like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and to the west, to the north and the south, and all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I'll watch over you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave until I've done what I promised you. So Jacob's probably worried about whether the blessing and the birthright's actually his in the eyes of God, and God affirms for him. In spite of all the ways that happened, it's still his. Which makes me think. When we think about encounters with God, God meeting us, do we ever wonder if we're good enough for an encounter? Do we ever wonder if we've done the right things? Yeah, there's that perspective of, if God knew what I was like, he wouldn't want to meet with me. If God knew what I've done, which of course God does, he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. But here we have a man who has cheated his brother out of a blessing and a birthright, and God still meets with him. So don't ever think that you're beyond God reaching out to you. Don't ever think that you're too bad for God. God can handle whatever it is you bring to him. God reaffirms the blessing he promises it all to him. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And then Jacob wakes up. And he says, surely the Lord was in this place. And I was not aware of it. 
This has been my favorite verse for about seven, no, eight years now, ever since I, I re-encountered. I'd heard this story plenty of times, but I read it anew. Surely God was, not, was in this place, and I was not aware of it. It's incredible. Jacob wakes up to the realization that all land is ripe with the presence of God. That every place is available for God to meet you. God is not limited to the places where we think he should be. God is not limited to, in, in Jacob's day to temples and to holy sites. In our day, God is not limited to churches, to places where we think he should be. God's also not limited to just being in the mountains as much as we, we can easily encounter God in the mountains. God's actually even available in the prairies. I know. It's amazing. As an Albertan, sometimes it shocks me. Jacob wakes up to the reality that God is there and God is with him. And then he says, how awesome is this place? And he sets up what's called an Ebenezer, a memorial stone, and he he anoints it. And he says, this will now be called the house of God or Bethel. The stone is there to remind people as they walk by that something significant happened in this place. It's a memorial stone to remember the movement of God. It's amazing. So why is this verse so important to me? Why is this story so important to me? It's because God made this story my story. Back in uh, 2014, we left a place. We left St. Albert that had been our home for 10 years, and we didn't know what our end point would be. We didn't know where God was going to eventually lead us. But we knew what our luz would be. We were going to a city called Hamilton. I was going to do some studies there. But here's the thing. Hamilton was always a temporary thing. It was the place on the way. It was never meant to be the destination, but just meant to be a place along the way. And as a result, um, I went, and instead of making roots in a place, which is what I like to do, I was like, I'm going to keep myself as unrooted as possible. So I have a brother there and his family, and so my plan was I'm going to spend as much time with them and I'm not going to get to know anybody else. Because when you get to know anybody else and you leave, it's hard. Anybody ever been in a place like that before? Yeah. So a year into this, I realized what a terrible idea that was. <laughs> and the problem was I kept uh, watching the playoffs that year. The Flames had made it to the second round which is really hard when games start at like 11 o'clock Ontario time and you're supposed to be studying the next morning. But they kept on having these Travel Alberta commercials and I'd see all these places that were so familiar and I just felt this longing to be home. And I had this class and it was all about seeing your neighborhood as a place to belong, as a place to meet God and as a place to be on mission. And one of the challenges, and I've talked about this at varying times, so I won't go too deep into it, was to to find a practice to attune yourself to the presence of God in your neighborhood. That God is always present and always available, but you have to actually work to do so. So my practice uh, was to tie my shoes, leave my phone, and as I'm tying my shoes before going for a walk with my dog, saying, God, interrupt me with whatever you want today, and then go out. And I won't go into all those stories, but God grew a love for me for my neighborhood. 
and for the people. And he kept showing me where he was at and what he was doing and inspired me so deeply, which then made it really difficult a number of months later when Jesus called us here because I had fallen in love with that place. We also had a similar story as a community too, didn't we? For those of us who have been around for six and a half years, we know that this wasn't our home. We had an old building that had a fire. And then we didn't automatically move into this space. Instead, we had a season in between. We had a season of luz, and it would have been really easy to think that God wouldn't show up in that place, wouldn't it? But God met us incredibly so many times in living waters. It became a sacred place for us, too. God is constantly aware, or God's presence is constantly there, and we need to be aware of it. And in all of our lives, we have these spaces, don't we? The space where we were, the space where we will be, and the space that we find ourselves in. It's easy to think, when I get to there, then I'll meet with God. Whether that's hitting some sort of vocational goal, whether that's having your kids move out, or having kids, or whether it's a relationship, or whether it's moving somewhere. It's easy to be discontent with where you are and think, God will only meet me when I get there. But this story tells us that no matter where we find ourselves, all space has potential of meeting with God. Right? Jacob found this non-specific place, and God met him there. We can think God only shows up sometimes at some places, but the truth of the matter is we can look and look and look and look, and if we slow down, we'll look and see God's there with us the whole time. It's like waking up. Jesus wants you to wake up to his presence there with you. Jesus is present and available to us in all sorts of ways. Whether like Wade talked to us last week, being there in the quiet whisper like he was with Elijah. God's there to us in peace. He's there in the silence. He's also there in those who are in need. I've had this encounter with a, uh, someone in our community, um, in the larger community, who came in one day a, a year ago, and he was in a deep pain and struggling. And the most incredible thing happened that as we were talking and praying, all of a sudden his face contorted, and it looked like Jesus, you know, from the paintings, and all of a sudden it swapped back to being the guy's face. And I remembered where Jesus says, when you do this for the least of me, there I am. Jesus is present and available to us and others. He's present and available in love and kindness. And my favorite in Stony Plain, to be honest, in wonder. Um, my youth leaders made fun of me a lot in the last six months because they realized how much I like watching birds now because I've hit that age of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we have a pond back there. And the birds like the pond, and so I'll stand there and I'll watch, and I'll be like, did you guys see that? That was a pelican. And they're like, uh-huh. Which, coincidentally, I only learned pelicans were here a few years ago. I thought those were tropical birds. <laughs> when we slow down and experience wonder in the world, we discover how great of a creator our creator is. Right? Like, 
whether it's seeing giant salamanders at the end of winter and discovering that God created in them ways that they can survive or slowing down enough to see the bats flying around you at youth retreat and having one of them smack into Felix Pounty's face, which was really funny to watch. <laughs> There's wonder wherever you go, as one of my favorite singers sings, what unprecedented gifts does this afternoon provide? God's got plenty of gifts available to you in the spaces that you are. And you may be wondering, well, there's spaces in my life where God just wouldn't show up. The story of the Old Testament is a story where Israel ends up in exile off of the land that they were promised. And Ezekiel, the prophet, finds himself on the Kiber River, which is in Babylon. And in the ancient worldview, gods were territorial. They only stayed in one place. And so Yahweh had been defeated by Marduk, the god of Babylon, because Yahweh's temple had been destroyed and his people were gone. This is what they thought. And so all of a sudden, Ezekiel and the exiles are in Marduk's territory. And what happens? Well, we read this. In the 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles in the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And they get really weird, and you can read about them in Ezekiel 1. But God shows up where he didn't expect it, and God is constantly showing up where we don't expect it to. But we need to find ways to attune ourselves to that. And often, that involves slowing down. One more thing. Uh, Jesus in John 1 reveals that he is the place where heaven and earth meet. We read this, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven and open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus tells his apprentices this is what's going to happen. Which means Jesus is revealed to be the stairway from Genesis 28. We read that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He was around and walking. And as he walked places, the presence of God came. In the same way, Jesus indwells his people. And so wherever we go, the presence of God comes with us. So that means, once again, all space is ripe for connection with God. And so how do we become aware of the presence of God? Well, you often, like I've said, need to slow down in order to see that God is in a place. Find practices that help you attune yourself, much like me with tying my shoes or going for a walk without my phone. What can you do to cause yourself to slow down, whether it's like Brother Lawrence, who decided that God would be aware with him in the dish pit at the monastery that he was at, so he practiced being aware of God washing dishes with him. Or like one of my friends who's just recently retired um, and has had to move his study home, and so what he did in this new study is he bought two really nice chairs. One chair for him, the other chair for Jesus. That he has carved out this space to be a space where him and Jesus will connect, where him and Jesus will meet. This is a practice that he's created to allow himself to be aware. God's constantly available. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He's here. And he cares. May your eyes be opened with wonder to see him. And so a couple quick questions. One is, what places do you need to revisit? What spaces have you met Jesus at before that you need to set a memorial stone up? 
to remind yourself and those around you of how Jesus has encountered you. What stories do you need to remember? And then also, secondly, what are the places that Jesus wants to meet with you today? What are the spaces that you've carved out, like my friend did, for Jesus to meet with you? And what are the spaces that Jesus has carved out to meet with you? Perhaps it's your back deck looking out on the sunset. Perhaps it's going for a walk. Perhaps it's here. Because, of course, when we're all here, Jesus, it says, we know is with us. We are the people of God. The good news this morning is that Yuri was wrong. You can look and look and look and discover that God is present, present to us in so many different ways. That Jesus wants to meet with us through his indwelling spirit. And so may you wake up to the presence of the God who is with you wherever you are. And may you find yourself saying, surely God was in this place and I didn't know. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.